Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. It is Monday, so that means Father Charles Murr is with us. Father, thanks for joining us again here on a Monday here at uh, the Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thanks for having me, Terry. Are you kidding me? Father, I want to delete a prayer. I've got a little book. It's called Discernment of Spirits of Our Times by Father Joseph Kenninger. He's one of the Opus Angelorum priests. And I read this, and I was so impressed. I thought, what a, this might be a great way to lead a, sh- a radio show off with a prayer. And I'll, Please I'll, do so. Okay. Please do so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Almighty God, adorable Spirit, truth, light, and love, gift to the poor, comforter to the in the affliction, enlighten our intellect, direct our will, move our soul, be with us in our silence and speech, in our haste and leisure, in company and solitude, grant that we may always listen to your voice, watch for your light, and follow your gracious inspirations, you who separate truth from error. Help us discern what is true, disperse our illusions, yeah, that's for sure, free us from deceptive appearances, lead us to holiness, unmask seductions, and save us in temptations, be our understanding and wisdom. Help us discern your voice from others. Be you our counsel and fortitude to perceive your suggestions and to do your will. With the Father and the Son, may you be adored, loved by all the heavens and earth through the Immaculate Conception. Amen. Whoever put that prayer together, Father, they did a good job. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. They certainly did. They certainly did. But I, and, and one of the one of the lines of that yes, prayer yes. In, inspires me to this, Terry. Tell me, Father. It said, uh, uh, "Don't let your appearance be de- deceptive." <laughs> well, my appearance. Listen, my appearance is deceptive today, and I think I like. I think a lot of your a lot of the viewers are going to think there's something wrong with their with their color tones on the computer. But I'm taking a, a pre-cancer skin cancer treatment, and you see, I've got blotches of red all over that. the yeah. place. So. So don't try to adjust your your your, your color tone on your computer. That's funny. it's me. All right. All right. Well, that's fair enough. Well, Father, I wanted to um, say before we get to the gospel, there was some news, and it was really kind of uh, surprising that um, we know about Bishop Joseph Strickland, who's one of our our, our radio shows here every Tuesday on on uh, <clears throat> on. Uh, Virgin Most Powerful Radio, but he had, he's suing these pastoral letters, and it's causing a lot of controversy. Here's what he's doing. He's reaffirming the traditional Catholic points of doctrine, and people are going, right. hey, what is, this guy's nuts. Well, I think it's the uh-huh. world that's nuts. Here's what he said that got people upset, some of the people on the, on the uh, left. Bishop Strickland says, salvation is only through the me- mediation through the Catholic Church established by Christ. I, I'm so I'm shocked that they're saying, how can he say that, Father? Is this microphone on? Are pe- people really that? Uh, Terry, dis- Terry, it's, six, it's, six, it's sixty years that people have not heard the truth. Hey, that's it, must at least at, yeah, it's fifty to sixty years that people have not heard the truth, and what they've heard, Terry, yeah, and you know this better than anybody else, sure. is all watered. Down. Yes. Down. And if I might add one more thing, Father, you probably saw the news about Cardinal uh, Egan, uh, not Egan, Cardinal, who's the one in New York right now? Cardinal huh? Dolan. My, Dolan. Dolan, my, 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 my ordinary. Okay, well, your, Cardinal Dolan came out saying a question, is mass too long? He said he's getting yeah. people 
that are asking him, well, how can we get people back to church? And you just said it right there, lowering the bar, meaning give people less of their faith and say maybe they'll come. So maybe maybe if we give $20 bills out, if you come to Mass, or $100 bills today, I guess inflation, maybe they'll come. They're trying to say, and this is what unfortunately a cardinal is saying, is that maybe we have to adjust because if we don't uh, you know, somehow make the Mass shorter, we might be the only ones saying Mass down the road because no one's wanting to come. I, I just can't believe a cardinal would miss something as fundamental as saying we have to shorten the Mass, not, in, not inform people what takes place at the Mass, but give them an opportunity to have a shorter Mass. Again, it's the mentality of lowering the bar. Am I on to something? Yeah, yeah. Terry, you're making me smile because I'm remembering when I was a child, we had the we had Father O'Neill okay. at Old St. Michael's on the west side of St. Paul, mm. of St. Paul's. And in those days, Terry, yeah. <laughs> when you went to the movies, sometimes it was free dish night. Oh. They would give you a, a dish or a glass or something. It's incredible. And and often in the detergent, soaps, laundry detergents, there would be a, a, a free dish yeah. or a free glass. Well, he, he announced, he said, the holy sacrifice of the mass is the holy sacrifice of the mass. And I'll not be giving out dishes and cups and spoons here. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's a great story. Look, this is the way it is. This yeah. is the way it is. Yeah. You either, and this is the problem. This is the problem. When you start accommodating yourself to the to to people and getting things getting things done yep. uh, on their schedule rather than inviting them to step up yeah. and understand what in the world is happening here uh we're lost we're I, lost i agree let, you know let's make it let's make everything easier for people what what, what happens when you make everything easier for people they, they don't come back they never come back because they, they don't come back why no, for yeah. what you know what? I like what Fulton Sheen says. Sacrifice is the language of love. Yes, it is. There's no exactly. love if you just come to be entertained. It's all about me, myself, and I. I call that. I'll tell you. So, I'll tell you something else, tell Terry. Tell me. With the pathetic, with the pathetic music still lingering from the 1970s. Yeah. The hootenanny mentality. Right. And the balloon mass and the clown mass. Even the entertainment is poor. I agree. But you know what? I'll give you a good news story. I love having a conversation. Uh, folks, are you enjoying this conversation? We're, we're having a cup of coffee. I have my tea, but he drinks his coffee. And uh, you're joining us. I, I noticed that uh, good news is the Bishop of Wichita, Kansas, came out with a pastoral letter addressing just the very thing you said. He says, get rid of the mundane music at Mass. No more. The document says sacred music, Gregorian chant, bring it back. I thought, wow, what a breath of fresh air, you know, what, 60 years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about time, Father. I've got, I've got one other thing to tell you, Terry, before we get into sure, the what we're talking about. Yeah. And I, I think you'll enjoy it. Okay. I enjoyed it tremendously. Good. I was listening, I was listening the other day to uh, an interview. Yeah. You imagine, listen to these names. Dick Cavett. Oh, my gosh. Interviewing Peter O'Toole. Oh, my gosh. Way back. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Peter O'Toole's last acting job was 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 about the Christiata movie. I think you're right. He, uh, I think he played he played the the priest who was martyred. He did. And 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 he was martyred he was martyred not far from the town that I serve in, in Jalisco. Wow. In San Julian. Anyway, Peter O'Toole was, was can you imagine Peter O'Toole explaining transubstantiation? <laughs> no, I can't imagine. He did. 
He did. He did, and and in a in a very clever way, and and a but funny tell us way. How he I did it. Was, I wonder how, great. how he did. Well, he's talking to to Cabot, and he yeah. said, "You know, I used to be an altar boy." And Dick Cabot, who's I, I think Dick, Dick Cabot wasn't anything Aryan, as Chesterton used to call them, uh, you know, a nothing yeah. religiously. Uh, he said, "Oh, really?" He said, "Yes, I served mass every day at six thirty every morning for a priest, a great priest who I loved a lot." He said, "He said <laughs> one time I forgot to bring the bell out. Uh oh, I did. I forgot to set the bell out." Mm -hmm. And he said, and we came to the, he said, we came to the, the part of the consecration with the elevation of the host. And he said, and I knew, he said, I was, I was, I was shaking. He said, I knew that the bell was to be rung three times. Exactly. He said, and I have no bell. Uh oh. And this is, so he said, when the priest elevated the host, Peter O'Toole, uh, an eight-year-old Peter O'Toole went, Ding-a-ling, ding-a-ling, ding-a-ling. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. That's no, no. He said, he said, all I remember up from, because the, the I was, he said, I could only see the back of the priest. He said, with these massive shoulders <laughs> of the priest, he said, laughing when he was trying to be most serious <laughs> because he was struck with that. Of course he would. But I thought I, he said, he said he couldn't, he couldn't control. The laughing from from this from this ridiculous this ridiculous sound. He said, and Peter O'Toole said, "Well, at least I had initiative." Great point. <laughs> at least I had initiative. I, I, I was creative too. I mean, that kid. Priest, he said, "The priest shook with with laughter." He said, "And at the most sacred part of the mass." Yeah. He said, yeah. "Well, you know what? Tell what we what we were just talking about." Yeah. A lot of people don't even know that anymore. No, they don't. It's really sad. Would be lost on them. And but I thought that I thought that was a beautiful. great story. I thought that was a great story. I and, thought I'd share. And Father, just to confirm your point, uh, for the last thirty or forty years, I've been traveling back and forth around the country, you know, doing different evangelization talks, and yes. uh, I would speak at uh, at the uh, at each of the masses. I would get up at the bulletin announcement time and invite people to come back to the church for the talk on how to share your faith with anyone. And what I would do before Mass is I would be in the parking lot welcoming people, okay, and just saying hi to them. And then I said, you know, I, I just have to ask you a question. I, I do Catholic radio, and we're doing a little survey. Could you tell me what you understand that takes place at the Mass? Can you tell me uh, you know, anything about the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist? What, what actually do you believe about the Eucharist? And oh, Father, you got some good answers. Yeah, I got some crazy. I got dumb looks on our my their faces. But here's what happened: I statistically kept a record. Ninety percent of the people could not articulate Catholic teachings yeah. on the real presence. And I said, I uh, that. "Do we have a problem here?" Yeah. When we come back with the Terry and Jesse show with Father Charles Murray, we've got the Gospel of Luke, chapter eight, verse sixteen to eighteen. We're going to read that. Then we've got a quote from Fulton Sheen that'll knock you off your horse if you're driving, if you're riding a horse. Stay with us, family. We've got a great show coming up right after a quick pause. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. I always enjoy Mondays with Father Charles Murr, and I'm sure you do too. Uh, we're going to read the Gospel of today. It's taken from the cha uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 16 to 18. It's short, and then we'll have Father 
give us a little explanation. All right, it says, um, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to the crowd, no one who lights a lamp conceals it with a vessel or sets it under a bed. Rather, he places it on a lampstand so that those who enter may see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not become visible, nothing secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear. To anyone who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he seems to have will be taken away. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Jesus Christ. Christ. Father, this is a short gospel, but can you break some of these statements are just really outstanding, like, wow, wow, oh, oh. Can I I confess something to you? Yeah. I've always had difficulty with that last with the last line. Yeah, well, me too. Go ahead. From, from he who, yeah. from he who has, uh, uh, well, do that again. It from says, he who has, it says from the one who has not, who has. even what he seems to have will be taken away. Yeah, I I never really understood that. I've got to tell you the truth. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've never I'm understood that. And I've and I've looked I've looked Commentary, many places. Sure. And I'm sure, and I'm open to. Yeah. When we get off the off the air, yeah, we'll start looking again. Mm-hmm. It's always been a mystery to me what what our Lord meant, but a lot of things our Lord meant are sure. are sort of mysterious. Sure. Uh, one one thing that one thing that uh, that uh, he said is in, he says in that gospel. Tell, just give me the beginning of it again. The gospel Jesus said to the crowds: No one who lights a lamp conceals That's it. it. Go ahead. This is this is this is what uh, this is what this is the joy of knowing Christ. Yes. Of knowing the truth, of knowing of, of walking in the light of Christ, mm-hmm. which is which is another way of, of saying in the truth of of Christ. When you when that happens to you, when people convert, they have a conversion. I've had a conversion. You've had a conversion, Absolutely. Terry. Absolutely. Even as Catholics, we've had a conversion to a deeper understanding of our own faith, and a, and a deeper knowledge of Christ Jesus with whom we walk. Right. When you have that, when you have that light, you want to share it. Sure, you do. You don't. You don't keep it to yourself. And what our Lord says, you don't keep it under, hidden under a bushel basket or under a bed. Right. You 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 put the light on a lampstand. It, it shows. It gives light to the whole house. Yeah. Well, th- this is a way also of, of reminding all of us that evangelization is our task. Exactly. When we know and love Christ. We're to share that knowledge and that love of him with other people. You know, also I, keep going. Also, if you and one other thing, and if, yes. if you're not if you're not into preaching about Christ, and a lot of people are not, well, for, for goodness sake, live it. Yeah. Live live the relationship you have with Christ. That will speak louder than words, much louder than words anyway. Well said, you know, when you said about sharing the gospel, I always use the analogy of Father Murr. You go out to a, a, a restaurant and they have just exquisite food. I mean, they have top-notch. Let's just say it's an Italian restaurant, and you know the food there was just top-notch. And what would you do when you go back home? Wouldn't you tell your friends about, hey, there's a, a restaurant over on such and such a street that we went for, I went to last night, and the food was just delicious. So, you know, you might consider going. We do that all the time. But what about our Catholic faith? You see. Here we have the greatest thing on planet, which is our our faith, much better than a great restaurant. 
And sometimes, you know, we, we don't get the connection that we need to, to say, hey, this is, this is true. And let me tell you what, my, what happened with me in my own personal life. I have a, a, a chapter in my book on personal testimonies and how to give yours. And Catholics, everywhere I go, when I ask how many people have been formally taught how to give your testimony, about 1%, one out of 100 people raised their hand. And I just think that if you haven't done that, uh, consider putting your own story together. How you fell in love with Jesus Christ. Was it, the, was it a, 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 the sacrament of confession? Was it visiting Jesus in the Eucharist? The, because people can't argue your personal testimony. They can't say, well, that didn't happen to you. Really? How can you say that? It happened to me. I'm the one who, it, this is how I came close. Terry, to don't, you, don't, you think, don't you think on Judgment Day? Yeah. Don't you think on Judgment Day? One of the first questions that our Lord is going to ask each one of us individually, yeah. not just as a whole group, each one of us individually. Yeah. How do I know you? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, tell me. How do you know me? Exactly. How do you know me? I, and and, and by, 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 by George, you're going to have to give a story. That's right. You're going to have to give a story then. Well said. You know. All right, well, let's bring the smartest guy into the room. Full Sheena ahead. Put your seatbelts on. This was given, I got to do the math, 60 plus 20, uh, 83 years ago, this man, Fulton Sheen, who I think is a great saint of the church, said this. Now, pay attention. He says, let men grow careless about whether their souls belong to God or to Caesar. And before they know it, Caesar owns them, body and soul. This is totalitarianism. Or mm-hmm. the state theory that the total or whole of man belongs to the state. Father Murr, this man said this 83 years ago, and it's even more true today. Your thoughts? Well, he was so ahead of his time. It's incredible. Just way ahead of his time. And the reason that he was... He, he really wasn't ahead of his time. <laughs> let me let me go back and, and qualify that. All right. He knew how he knew how to interpret things that were happening. Yeah. He saw what was happening. Yeah. He saw what, he saw the future, and it's not because he was a, a clairvoyant. No. He saw the future because he he knew where the where the present was going. Yes. Uh, we th- we call this a prophet. Yes. And that's a gift. It's a prophecy. Our, our bishops are supposed to possess that gift. That's right. But many of them don't, or many of them don't pronounce it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bishop Strickland, who you interview yeah. every week yes. on, a, on a great program, I've listened to that program often. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you this, there's a prophet. Yeah. There's a prophet. He, he sees what's going on around him and speaks about it. Yeah. And he speaks about it from the point of view of, 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 of a Christ-centered man. Uh, this is a prophet. Sheen was that prophet. Yeah. Sheen had, had that gift, tremendous gift. He could see exactly what was happening, and he could see exactly where it was going. And the crazy thing about it was he was completely right. I know. just a- and, we know and we know this in retrospect. We can see it now. Yeah, you know, what he said in this statement that— um, the state theory that the total of whole of man belongs to the state. It seems like we've gone in, in, you know, in the last 50, 60 years, you remember in 1964, we were just kids, or I was a kid, you were older, but uh, you remember John? I was, four, I was 14 in 1964. All right, you were 14, you're a teenager. <laughs> yeah. I was just a, a child. And uh, 
the Johnson administration came out and said that we're going to have this program to take care of everybody, uh, you know, with mm-hmm. social programs. And this program uh, <clears throat> has just gone where now people look to the government to fill their tanks of gasoline, to have their housing, to have their food. It's like everything is big government. And that wasn't the case, uh, you know, before this. It seemed that... And, and Terry... He, he, uh, President Johnson, Lyndon Baines Johnson, yeah. dared to call that, dared to call that yeah. the Great Society. Yeah, the Great, and, and see, the Great Society. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. And you know what it's done? Yeah. What it's done? And we knew it. We knew it when it started. Yeah. We knew it when it was started. That was the great push for welfare. Yes. I, and what happened with all of that? What happened with all of that? The charities that were run by Catholic churches, by Protestant churches, yes. by Jewish, by uh, Jewish synagogues, Jewish communities. The religious took care of charity. Exactly. All of a sudden, the state took it over. Exactly. The religious took care of education. All of a sudden, the state took it over. Right? Et cetera, et cetera. And this is the great society yeah. where, where, where we are seeing the, the results of it. Sadly, today, when we have people who, Terry, I've met people when I was working, I won't say where, because I'll, I'll give it away, but, yeah. and I don't want to insult the, the people because they were good people, but very poor. Some of them were fifth generation yeah. non-workers yep. on welfare. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is where we are. And when you start giving away, giving away, giving away everything to people, it has no value. And, and if it I, has no value. If I, and you ruin people. You ruin yes. souls. And, and Father, if I can add to that here, I'm in the state of California. What happens, uh, the government is encouraging what I call sinful behavior. Well, wait a minute. What are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about dads, okay? People who bring forth life with another woman and then expect the state to pay for the responsibility of that child. In the state of California, they get about $1,100 per child. So I've met people on the street with seven, eight children, and he says, yeah, I, I, about $80,000 goes to grandma uh, at the grandma's house, and that's where uh, we take care of our, you know, the kids are in school, and we get to continue to do nothing and not have to work, and we just, you know, we, but that, we let the state take care of it. So what is that encouraging? Bad behavior. And this is where I, you know, people can say, Terry, you're, you're getting a little out of the control here. No, no. This is what I'm saying about accountability. You see, you're encouraging people to, uh, well, I'm going to use the word fornicate, okay? And then when a child comes into this world, they take no responsibility for that child and say, hey, the government is going to take care of them. So I don't need to stay married. I don't need to get married. I just want to have a good time. So this is the kind of great society that Johnson was talking about, and it's, yeah. it's, it's destroying the family. You know, I, I, let me just tell a quick little story yeah, here. You love stories. I do, I think more people, stories. I, I think people like to hear them. Oh, yeah. I knew a young man yeah. years ago. I won't get names or places yeah. or anything. Yeah. Just that's it. Uh, when he was 13 years old, he began uh, to take drugs. Oh, no. Right? Hey, Terry, do you, do you ever stop and ask yourself how many people you pass on the street every day who are who are drugged out? 
I, I don't ask to see minds. him, though. I see him every day. But, I mean, I think, but even people who hold jobs, they're yeah. walking around on drugs. Yes, they're working right? alcohol. Anyway, drug, yeah. anyway I, I watched this young man. And I, tried, I tried my best to help him. You could not help him. It was already too late. Mm. Every hurdle, and this is, this is, this, I'll never forget this. Life is full of hurdles. Oh, yeah. They have to be jumped over. Yep. They are. You're supposed to jump over them. You're supposed to face those hurdles. Take another one. Amen. Run. Instead of running, jumping over them, he ran around every single hurdle in life. No responsibility. Nothing. Nothing. Take another joint. Take another pill. That's it. Always ev evading and avoiding hurdles. Wow. Those hurdles. Those hurdles make for a mature person. They make for a mature. He died when he was fifty-something years old, oh. and he was still and he was still thirteen. Those sad. We're, never. We're gonna take a pause and we'll come back. Gary and Jesse should stay with us. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Father Charles Murr just told an outstanding story about life principles. And this is something that my father explained to me also, Father, when my dad said, I, you know, when you fall in life, I only have one question, uh, Terry. I said, what is it, Dad? Did you get up? And, <laughs> yes. You know, yes. in other words, you're going to yes. fall, but get up. And then he tied it into also about confession. Say, We're all sinners. You got to go and repent. And the gospel says repent and believe in the gospel. So don't expect that, you know, you're not going to fall. That's just part of life. We're going to, you know, we're sinners. And so <clears throat> this idea that when you fall, oh, I can't get up. Someone, uh, you know, no, you, this is how you bring character in a person's life. And that is by having these falls and getting up and saying, okay, I can do it. I can do it. Not that I want everybody else to do things. So I appreciate that story. It's outstanding. And there's, there's a there's a line also from the from the from the Old Testament. Don't ask me where. Where, but it's somewhere it's from in there. one of the Psalms. Yeah. But I give you I give you plenty of room. The Old Testament. Yeah. <laughs> find it. Somebody will find it. Yeah. It will. says, "My God is a blacksmith." See, I never heard that one. I have to oh yes. That one up. A, a smith, a smithy. Yeah. It says a smithy, but it's a blacksmith who hammers, who hammers away at the metal. Yeah. Who heats it and hammers it and forms it. Yes, I've always used I've always used that as an image when I'm talking to God and have problems that He sends or that He that He lets happen. I said, "It's it's the hammering away, isn't it? It's the hammering it away." And, and you know what's funny? Yeah. When you said that, it reminds me of a 16th century a Jesuit. I call him a believing Jesuit. His name was Pierre de Cassade. Uh, he wrote a book, "Abandonment to Divine Providence," and he uses hmm. a very similar example of uh, someone who's uh, chiseling on a piece of rock and he's putting it into a beautiful image of an individual and it just takes time and so his point was we have to have a lot of chips to pull away from our own life to to get it right and so I think that and maybe he was taking it from that somewhere in the, in the Old Testament somewhere in the Old Testament it says that I got, I got it's a blacksmith broad enough for you. yeah I love it well, Father, let's move on to Fulton Sheen, and I love the book Life of Christ. And again, Father, just for those who are brand new, because we get new customers coming in periodically, and um, I just 
certainly encourage everybody to pick up their own copy of The Life of Christ by Fulton Sheen. We have the audio version for free on our website at vmpr.org. This book really goes through the life of Christ in detail and gives us a lot of information about what was going on, background, and it makes everything come alive. So even your meditations on your rosary, I think, will be improved by reading the life of Christ because when you look at, for example, we're going to talk about Bethlehem. You know, the word Bethlehem means house of bread. And we think of Jesus as the you know, the bread of life. And it's just, you know, there's so many neat things. I mean, I'll just ask everybody, did you know that, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem? Yes, of course I know that. But did you know that Bethlehem means house of bread? And I, when I tell people that, they go, really? Yeah. And I said, and Jesus is the bread of life. I tell that to my Protestant friends who don't believe in the real presence. I said, isn't it interesting that, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem? Well, yeah. Well, did you know that it was the house of bread? No. So let's look into Bishop Sheen's uh, insights, and we can read on uh, the, the theme was at Bethlehem. And maybe, Father, you could read a little bit of the book to our listeners and then give some commentary to what Sheen is trying to convey to us, please. Sure. Uh, it's under Bethlehem, Caesar Augustus, yeah, master here. bookkeeper of the world. Yeah, well, let's let's go to, let's go to this. Okay, that was that was that was already that was prophesied about. Oh yeah, right? yeah, but because um, Dean um, is is heavy on prophecy. Oh, by the way, I've got to tell you, somebody sent me. I, I said mentioned on your program a while back yeah. that I'm looking for a book on prophecy. I remember that of the, of the Messiah. Yeah, and then a gentleman. I wish I could remember his oh, name. Oh, God, thank love him. Sent me two. Sent me two. Uh, two fine books exactly on what I was looking. Oh, that's for. great. So, we have so it's great good. Listeners. But here, yes. This is taken. This is taken from from the Old Testament. Yeah. And thou, Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are far from the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee will arise a leader who is to be the shepherd of my people Israel. Well, this notion yes. that from a small, insignificant, in, rather insignificant place, Bethlehem. Yeah. City of David, but. Right, but not a big place. wasn't the capital city. wasn't Jerusalem. No. Right, right. Out of that small place, the city of David would come the Messiah. So this was given as an identification point. So if the Messiah was to be born, somebody said he claimed to be the Messiah. You could ask, well, where were you born? Where was he born? And if the answer isn't Bethlehem, then you knew that he wasn't the he wasn't the, the wasn't the the reality that you're looking for. You mentioned. And this is, I don't think this is any mistake. Yeah. I know it's not a mistake. No, no, because it, God, doesn't, God doesn't make them. Exactly. Uh, the city of bread. Yeah. Is the meaning of Bethlehem. Yeah. Bethlehem, house of bread. Also, Sheen says in the same chapter, and he was laid in a manger. Now, any for any of you who who, under, who know a little bit of French mm-hmm. or some Italian, you know that mangiare Johnny. and manger is to eat. Yeah. So in this city of bread, the Prince of Peace, who was going to take bread and make it his body, blood, soul, and divinity, is immediately laid into a place of feeding. Wow. 
Isn't that beautiful? Right? It's beautiful. And, and, the, and the manger, the manger is a place for feeding. Yep, the feeding. Yep. Uh, and and you know, there's somebody else that's that's very important in this. Well, there are two other people very yeah. important in this story. The Blessed Mother. Yep. Saint Joseph. Yep. And Saint Joseph. Yep. Now, anybody in the world could have doubted who this child was, where he came from, how he came into being. The Blessed Virgin Mother knew. Yeah. She knew who he was, and she also says, "Listen, how beautiful this is." He said, this is the first time when Christ was born in Bethlehem that heaven looked up. That's beautiful. That is so beautiful. Yeah. Heaven looked upward into the face of this woman. That heaven looked upward. That is, see, how, that's, how beautiful is that's that? That's the kind of insight you get when you read the life of Christ. And, and another one that I found very fascinating is where Fulton Sheen said, uh, out to the hillside to a stable uh, cave where the shepherds sometimes drove their flocks in time of storm. In other words, this was where Jesus was born. The, the shepherds, if there was a big storm, they needed shelter for their flock. That's where they would go, under this little cave area. Joseph and Mary went at last for shelter. They're in a place of peace in the lonely abandonment of a cold, wind-swept cave. There, under the floor of the world, he who is born without a a mother in heaven, and is born without a father on earth. He says this, she says, every other child that was born into the world, friends can say that it resembled his mother. This was the first instance in time that anyone could say the mother resembled the child. <laughs> he made it, yes. you know, that's really beautiful. insightful. This is the beautiful paradox. Again, 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 we get to we get to Saint Bernard. Yes, Clairvaux. What a great who, who, who gives who gives the title to Mary? Yeah. A very simple title, but tremendously profound. Yes, virgin, daughter, daughter of your own son. Wow, daughter of your own son. Yes, right. This is what he's saying here. Yes. He says, who made, okay, so this is the beautiful paradox of the child who made his mother. <laughs> the mother, too, was only a child. It was also the first time in history of this world that anyone could ever think of heaven as being anywhere else than somewhere up there. When the child was in her arms, Mary, as you just said, Mary now looked down to heaven. And I just think this is what you don't get. When you read it yourself, you need good commentary. Uh, and I just think that Fulton Sheen does that. And this is why we're going through this book for your edification, for my edification. And I would even say, Father Murr, this edifies all of us in understanding what took place. Absolutely. This is why, this is why look, uh, the, the audio book, I have the audio book. Yeah. Thanks to you. I have the audio book of, sure. of the life of Christ. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you something. It's nothing compared to reading. That's right. And reading and reading slowly. Yep. If you just if you just take a paragraph, mm. one paragraph of Sheen's Life of Christ a day, you've got more than enough to think about. It's true. Here, what yeah. what is it? What is what follows? Yeah, it's great. He who he who would call himself the living bread descended from heaven. Yes. Was laid in a manger, literally, a place to eat. Yeah. Centuries before the Jews had worshipped the golden calf and the Greeks, the ass, men bowed down before them as before God. Now the ox and the ass 
uh, the 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 oxen and the ass now were present to make their innocent yes uh, reparation, bowing down before their God. So beautiful. beautiful. Keep going, Father. That that's that in itself it speaks volumes to me. Yes. There was no room in the inn, but right. there was room in the stable. Do you <laughs> love that? There was no room in the inn, but there was room in the stable. Yeah. Yeah. And, the inn. Yeah. The inn is a gathering place of public opinion, the focal point <laughs> of the world's moods, yeah. the rendezvous of the worldly, the rallying place of the popular and the successful. But the stable is a place for outcasts, the ignored, the forgotten. The world might have expected the Son of God to be born, if he was to be born at all, in an inn. A stable would be the last place the world would expect to, to look for him. Yep. Divinity, listen to this, divinity is always where one least expects. Can you repeat that? Because to me, that, I mean, I think of it, and I'll, I'll tie it into the Holy Eucharist. The world, yes. right? Yes. Wow, the Eucharist. And, and I've divinity, is, wow. divinity is always where one least expects to find it. Oh boy, that in itself, you can chew on that for a long time. Folks, this is what I'm saying. It's so beautiful. It is. It is. When we come back from the quick break and the quick pause, we'll continue to study the life of Christ. What a what better thing to do in life to study the life of our Savior Jesus Christ? Stay with us, family. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Indeed, welcome back. Father Murr taking Jesse's place on Mondays here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I forgot, today is the Feast of the Guardian Angel. And I like to say the unemployment rate for guardian angels is way too high. Put them to work right now. Come on, we need to get these guys working on us. And so I just would encourage you to have a great love for your guardian angel. Father, we were talking about the Bethlehem experience of our Lord. And one of the quotes Fulton Sheen talks about, the shepherds were watching their flocks nearby and were told by the angels this, Luke 2, chapter 2, verse 12, this is a sign of which you are to know him. You will find a child still in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Fulton Sheen says, he was already bearing his cross. The only cross a babe could bear is it was a cross of poverty, exile, and lamentation. His sacrificial intent already had shown forth in the message the angels sang to the hills of Bethlehem. And here's what they sang. Again, Luke chapter 2. This day in the city of David, a Savior has been born for you, the Lord Christ himself. Wow. I think that's uh, insightful. Terry, right before all of that that you read, right yeah. before, there's, sure. another, there's another paragraph. About the manger And let me, just, okay. let me just explain this yeah. a little bit. Good. Uh, he doesn't go into it exactly here. He does in other places. The architecture yeah. of homes and inns and, and, and everything that, that, that existed, especially in the Holy Land at that time, yes. was this way. It gets very cold in the Holy Land, especially in winter, very cold. The animals were kept almost underground. Hmm. 
where what we would call the cellar or the basement. Okay. And the reason they were kept underground was first of all to have them in a safe place for the night, but also to give warmth to the rest of the house above. Makes sense. Right. Right. That's what we say. Heat rises. Body heat. Well, heat. Yeah. Body heat from the animals rises, sure. and that would take some of the chill out of the house. Our Lord wasn't born in the house upstairs, where the heat rising came. Right. He was born among those animals down below. Yes. And he says another thing here. He makes mention of something that every once in a while I've come across in architecture, Catholic architecture. Uh, the last time I saw it was with Judge Clark. Oh, great. You know, Judge, I Judge love, Bill he's Clark. He's a good friend of mine. Yes. Great, great man. man, right? Yes. Great man. Fun man to be with, too, I might add. Yes. Well, he built a chapel. He did. Have, I gave, have you ever been to that I gave chapel? him some. I got him some sacred objects for that sacred for that chapel he was building. He called before it. Did you? Yes. Great, great. So I'll, I'll never forget the first time I entered it. There were three crosses. Yes. Three crucifix up. Well, of course, for our Lord mm -hmm. in the middle and the two thieves. Yes. But I had never seen a. I'd never seen a place with three crucifixes. Right. With three. With three cor. Sure. With three corpuses on on, on three crosses. But one of the things that, that most fascinated me about that chapel, it's a beautiful chapel high on the hill, the entrance to it. Do you remember the entry door off to the side? Refresh my memory. Now, there's, there's, there's a, what they did was, architecturally speaking, they, they, did, they did a wise thing. The, the place is on top of a magnificent hill, and you can see for miles around. Mm -hmm. So it has a way to open up the front doors, the front doors wide, so that there can be up to 200 people even outside awesome. hearing mass when there's an overflow, mm -hmm. right? Sure. Just opens up. However, the principal door to entering is on the right side as the priest is looking out to the congregation on the right side. And it is about, oh, I might be wrong, but I think it's about four feet, eight inches high. Yeah, little guy. You got to duck you down. You have to duck down to come in, and it's a huge place. Yeah, you would think, well, what, what in the There's world? Why didn't the big, yep. bigger door? The, the the reason is exactly what Sheen says: yep. to humble, exactly to humble oneself, and that's exactly what our Lord did by being born in that stable. Beautiful. He humbled himself. Right? Wow, what insightfulness! Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, Father, we just have a couple minutes left uh, for this say for this uh, show. Um, what about what Fulton Sheen said? He was already, uh, we said that, but I should say that the idea that, that he's already uh, destined to save the world, but the, the uh, New Testament already talks about that. And the uh, point about the angels calling the Son of the Most High descended into a red dust from which we were all born to be with weak uh, fallen man in all things save sin. And in the swaddling clothes which constitute his sign, if he who is omnipotent had come with thunderbolts, there would have been no sign. Good point. There is no sign unless something happens contrary to nature. The brightness of the sun is no sign, but an eclipse sun is. He said that on the last day, his coming would be heralded by signs in the sun, perhaps an extinction of light. At Bethlehem, the divine sun went into an eclipse so that the only 
humble of spirit might recognize him. Isn't that an interesting insight? Only the humble could recognize you. And, you know, think about this, applying it today. How many people are erudite? You know, they're smart people, but they don't know the meaning and purpose of life. And what? if you would continue on to the next Do it, do it, Christ it, only. Yeah, It continues exactly I love what it. you're saying. Yeah. Only two classes of people found the baby. Yep. The shepherds the wise and the wise men. men. Sure. The simple and the learned. Yep. Those who knew that they knew nothing. <laughs> And those who knew that they did not know everything. I love it. He is never seen by the man of one book. Mm. Never by the man who thinks he knows. Listen how powerful these words. Oh, my gosh. Not even God can tell the proud anything. Isn't that true? Only the humble yeah. can find God. Oh, my gosh. That, that if, is... you look, if you look, Terry, yeah. if you look, at, you've had a lot of conversion stories sure. in your life. You know of people who have come. Yeah. What is the first thing that happens to them so that they can come to Christ? Well, they repent. Humility. Yeah, humility. Well, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, they humble themselves. Humble. They'll say, I'm not God. <laughs> I'm a creature. That's right. That's right. Once they get through the, the, the fact that they're not God, yeah. there's a possibility of getting through it's them. It's true. And, and, you know, Father, not to tie this back into our own culture, but this is the big problem of our culture in 2023, and that is man— wants to play God and will not humble himself to say, wait a minute. No, I don't. I'm not the arbitrator of life. I don't make up. I'm a man or a woman. I want to be this. I want to be, I'm, I want, I'm seven right. foot five when you're only five foot five. You can't make up things because you're not God. And I think that this meditation here, again, brings us down to having our feet on the ground and the world that we live in right now is so in la la land. They, they kind of think that they, they kind of know they do think that it's because I said it, it's true. And that has nothing to do with truth. And they don't well, look, understand look, look, that. Terry, just look, just look at what we've done to truth. Yeah. Look at, look at what we've done to reality. Reality, exactly. Reality, reality. When you look at a tree, it's a tree. Exactly. You look at a desk, it's a desk. A reality. Exactly. We can't even look at reality and see what's really there. This is how out of kilter the whole thing is. And if you would look at these people and yeah. listen to them, yes. you, would find, you would find that none of them, none of them is a believer. Yeah. Well, they believe. They're, they're, no, they, they, yeah. they, they, well, they believe. They believe in themselves. <laughs> they are I, call it, I call it the, the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. Me, myself, and I. Yeah. Because myself. that's what they believe in. Then nothing else. Yeah. And, and nothing outside of them. And you know what, Father? This is what we offer in Christianity and Catholicism. The meaning and purpose of life. That life is short and eternity is forever. And that if you want to know the meaning and purpose of life, you give your si yourself to Christ and you say, not my will, but his will. And you know what? I think the reason people don't do that, and I'm just, this is a, Again, I have an Opus Dei pre Priest uh, book that I read. He said the reason people don't want to do that, they don't believe God can take care of themselves, take care of them. They really think they have to do it themselves. I'd go, I'd go one step further. Good. I'd go one fifth step further. It's been my experience. Yeah, tell me. That, the, that, that I'm, I may be wrong I, and it may be incomplete. Yeah. But it's been my experience that the reason people negate God, refuse to look tell at us. God, refuse to, to let him in, is because it means they would have to change some things. Oh, amen to that. And they're not going to do that. Of course. They're not going to do that. 
Lifestyle change, huh? Too yeah. comfortable. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. And I think that that is true because, you know, and this is something, again, I keep, I'm sorry to keep beating on the modern church, but it's what we've been losing. And that is repent and believe in the gospel has come to go ahead and recycle these plastic bottles and uh, everything will be fine. See, we're getting away from the core gospel message, which is uh, the salvation comes through Jesus Christ. Just what Bishop Strickland said at the beginning of the show we talked about. We need to go back to the fundamentals of the faith because think of it this way, Father. If you were a boxer or a ball player and you didn't have the fundamentals down, what kind of boxer? You'd get knocked out in the first round. What kind of baseball player would you be if you didn't know the fundamentals of the game? You couldn't play. Well, uh, the Catholic faith, in the analogy, maybe it I'd, be a, I'd, be, I'd be a darn fool to step in the ring. Well, of course, but maybe the analogy limps a little. But if you don't know the fundamentals of your Catholic faith, you're doomed to fall. Of course, of course. But again, you know, Terry, I know we're getting a little bit off. I don't off mind. The, this is the end. We're going to wrap it. But up. here, look, people are people are talking all of the time, and they're writing me constantly, and I'm and I'm grateful that they are writing. I, I love that, yeah. and I try to answer every every sure. email. Uh a lot of point of confusion. We don't know what's going on. I don't know. I really think that these are exciting times. Mm -hmm. And I think what's happening is exactly what you're saying. There's so much confusion that the only way out is the answer. <laughs> yeah. I, seriously. Yeah, that makes the sense. only way out is the answer. And I think, I think we're getting ourselves into such confusion that ultimately... Uh, a council, Pope with bishops, are going to have to sit down this sometime in the future, but in the near future, I hope. Yes. And dis and 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 talk clearly, talk reality, talk the truth. Not for not for nothing did our Lord say, "I am the truth, the way, and the life." I am the truth. I don't have the truth. I can't tell you the truth. I am the truth. Well said. Right? So, well said. What are we looking? Why are we looking elsewhere? Exactly. Why, why would you look elsewhere? Remember what Our Lady says about souls going to hell, because this is ultimately the point of this whole network, helping people get into heaven. She said, souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. We can participate in the salvific work of Jesus Christ by uniting our actions and the actions of, the, of our Lord on this cross to help redeem the world. Join that team, Team Jesus to help save souls. Thanks again, Father Murph. May God richly bless you and your family. Thank you.